This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. In Jesus' name. So I'll pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for what you're about to do this morning. I thank you because you have opened the door for us. And that door is a door to this city, a door to spread your word, a door to become an influence more than we've, all, than we've ever been. And I ask, oh God, that people's hearts will be open to our message because this message is, it, it, it's, it's got the potency, it's got, it's got the potency, the power to change people's lives, to transform, to heal, to deliver, to set free. And Father, I thank you because from today onwards, God will not only just be interested in people, will become passionate to the point where we cannot wait to drive this message into the fabrics of our community. We praise you, God. And Father, as you're speaking through me, use me by yourself. Let me not speak from my own knowledge, but let me speak from your heart, God. Speak to us. Answer the questions that we have so that your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name. Your place in God's call. What's your place in God's call? When God calls you, it calls you, He calls you as an individual. He does not call you with the idea of if the other person in your life is not coming along, then you can't come along either. No, God calls you as an individual. So you probably might have children, but God still calls you as an individual. He does not call you and your children together. You know, some people um, say that salvation is personal. And at times that scares me because of the way they put it. But, but it's true at times. It's, it's personal. It's your own thing. When God calls you, he calls you as a person. Of course, that same calling spreads to your family, but he calls you as a person. And that's more of the reason you, you cannot, we cannot make excuses for why we have not accepted or followed through with God's call. Because when he asks you to follow him, at times, he does not consider uh, every other person around you because he just calls you. My text this morning is from John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Let's take from verse 20, and um, the premise around that is about when Peter, or rather when Jesus had died, rose again, and the disciples were no, no longer seeing him as often as they used to see him. They weren't seeing Jesus as often as they used to see him, and perhaps Peter got a bit um, tired, a bit bored. I went, you know what, I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going back to what I used to do. So I'm going fishing. And the other disciples that were with Peter, of course they were friends. But you know what, we're coming with you. So they went in, or rather went to the sea. And after the whole night, they couldn't catch anything. Um, and then Jesus showed up in the morning and said, have you caught anything? He said, no. Jesus said, you know, toss your... Nets to the other side, to the right side. And did he toss their net to the right side? 
and cut something and he realizes Jesus. We all know that story, don't we? To some extent, okay. So, then Peter got out of the water and the other disciples and Jesus started asking Peter, do you love me? Interestingly, he wasn't asking any other person. Why was he asking only Peter? It was not only Peter that was there, but he was asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, first time, said, I love you. You know, Jesus asked again. He said, I love you. You know I love you. Third time, you know I love you. Great. And Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So we know all that. So that's not the part I'm talking about this morning. But the part I want to um, pick out of that is from verse 20. John 21, verse 20. Or let's say from verse, uh, verse 18. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Well, we've spoken about this earlier, you know, a few months ago. And that is, you know, loaded in itself. Jesus said these to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. He said to who? To Peter. To him. One person. Follow me. He didn't say to everybody. He just said to Peter, follow me. Verse 20. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple who? Whom Jesus loved. In other words, there was the particular disciple that went about with the title. This is the one that Jesus loved. So he turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. But he wasn't called. But he was following them. And this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you and so on and so forth. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about this one? Did you forget him? He's the one I love you. Really. As in, he's really head over heels. Did you forget him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? What's the next line? You must follow me. And that got my attention somehow because I thought... Ordinarily, if, we were, if our attention was drawn to someone else who we think is meant to be there, we kind of car into that position and go, oh yeah, of course, you too, you can come. But Jesus didn't do that. Because Jesus knew what he was doing and he would not be bamboozled by another person's perception of who should be or not be there. Jesus was calling Peter. And he said, Peter, follow me. He said, but what about this one that you really love? He said, it's okay. How, how about if I want him to stay until I come back? What is that to you? Does that, does that bother you? Does it bother you that things are not going the way you think they should go? But they are going the way I want it to go? Does it bother you that I'm calling you alone by yourself when you think you are a part of a team, but yet I'm pulling you out as a single person and calling you to do something even much more greater? Does it bother you? 
Because what I'm asking you is that you follow me. And that's interesting how God calls us. So you might find yourself as part of a team. And team spirit is fantastic. Teamwork is great. Working together as one is good. But don't forget that every member of the team comes as an individual to bring their best to the team for the team to work. Because what makes it a team is because everyone in the team is bringing their best as an individual. So, when God calls, at times we feel like, well, if Isaac is not doing it, I'm not going to do it. Because we're supposed to be together, isn't it? And the idea, the perception of the disciple whom Jesus loved... And that's not to say John, and that's his name, John, was the one whom Jesus loved. Now, that's not to say that John was not really loved by Jesus or that Jesus wasn't calling John, but it was a different calling. So when God calls you, try to determine for which purpose he's calling you. What exactly does he want you to do? What is your role? What is your part? In the vision, what is your part in the team? What is your part in this whole kingdom work? What's your part? Your part might just be to be who you are and move in your particular direction. Don't run in another person's lane. So that brings me to the main topic. You know, I, I already introduced it as understanding your place in God's call. But the main topic that I'm exploring today is stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Oh, think about driving on an M4. You're in your lane. And all of a sudden you see that the lane you are driving in it's jammed. And you look at the other lane. You go, ah, that other lane is free. There's no traffic on the other lane. But it's going the other direction. And you go, well, I'll just jump into the other one. What do you think will happen? You either crash, you, or rather you decide, oh, you know what? I don't want to crash. I need to be flowing in the same direction with the traffic. Then you'll be going backward. Or you get caught and penalized. But when you stay in your lane, you realize that it might be slow, but you're moving in the direction you want to go. And it's not going to always be slow. You know, at times, I, I take, I'm taking my kids to school on Richmond Road. And for those of you who know Richmond Road very well, and I, I check the time. We're running late, and I, you know, and my kids think at times I'm a superman. So they want me to fly. And I'm saying, well, we really can't get there before 8.30. They say, well, but we're going to make it. But when you look to the right side, or sorry, to the left side, you can almost connect the dot from where you are right to their school. But there's not a true lane there. It's a bushland. All right? It's a bush land. So there's no road. Well, you can decide to drive off the way and go through the bushland. You may get to school. You may not get there. 
But it's not the lane you ought to travel. And every now and again, while we drive around that bush, bushy area, around their school, it's, I don't want to call it a bush school, but, uh, <laughs> but at times when we're driving around there, we, we see kangaroos jumping out. So if you get off the way or, or the road and get into the bushland, you probably might start to meet with your neighbors, the kangaroos in the bush. But the most important thing is that you can't just look at your destination and want to fly there without taking the path that has been carved out to get there. You can't. For some people, or right now, um, how many of us are watching the FIFA Women's World Cup at the moment? Thank you. Only one person. Only a few people are bold enough to say they are watching the Women's World Cup. I am too. I do. Nations Cup. It's not important. <laughs> All right. So, but you see, whilst they're playing, there is something that's always displayed somewhere. That's the prize. The cup. It's displayed. It's not hidden. It's displayed. They can see it, but they are playing. Why would you spend the next 90 minutes running around the field with a ball when the prize that you are meant to get is just hanging around the corner? How about just going and grabbing and go, man, we're done with this. Let's take the prize. You could do that. But you see, you only do that if the prize is what you want. But, but of course, at the end of the day, it's the prize that, that you want. But you don't get the prize without the goal. If your eyes is not on the goal, you don't get the prize. But if your eyes is always the, on the prize, you burn out. Because you find out you never really get anything. So, in other words, for you to be able to get the prize, stay focused on your goal. Stay focused on the goal. Because when you are focused on your goal, you eventually get the prize. So, staying in your lane, I have um, worked on a few things and I thought we should explore it this way. So, I thought we should explore the word lane. L-A-N-E. And the first one that I thought about was to stay in your lane, you need to be able to learn. To learn. And what does it mean to learn? To gain or acquire knowledge of something or a skill. To learn. And to be able to learn, you need to stay Teachable. If you are not teachable, it will be difficult to assimilate. There are people who probably might just go to class, sit in class, but they aren't there. They're far away, probably thinking about lunch or thinking about, you know, what else they're doing or even sleeping. But you see, that's one part. But there are other people who might be there and instead of assimilating, it's criticizing. It's just, it's hearing it and what they're hearing is completely different from whatever every other person is hearing. And they're going, no, it's not like that. No, the Bible didn't say that. No, 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 I don't like that. No. 
And then you're lost in that whole conversation in your head. Why? Because you're not teachable. So for you to be able to learn, you need to stay open and teachable. You need to set aside the little thing that stops you from assimilating the knowledge that is being deposited inside of you. And number two is to us to study. At the time, at the point where you are being taught, you are not studying. You, you know that? You're just assimilating. But the time where you study is when you sit back and look and pour over the things that you've gained. And look back at it and go, okay, let's, let's, let's check. Is it really true? Um, you know, I really want to be able to remember this tomorrow. And then you make references, you, you explore other materials to ensure that that information is solidified within you. Study. Because that's one way to be able to stay in your lane. God has called you, so what has God called me to do? Okay, this is the particular thing that God has called me to do, so how do I do it? Has people, who are those people who've gone through this path before, who can I take lessons from? Okay, so we're working together in church. So what's the vision of our church? How does that apply to me? It causes, you know, influencers in our community, in our world. So how am I an influence? How can I become an inf influence in my organization, in my community, in my job, at my workplace, whatever? So how can I be that? So the more you explore that you're actually studying, and then, don't ever allow yourself to have a question that stays unanswered. Stay curious. Stay curious. Always ask questions. But be nice about it. Right? But always ask questions. Always ask questions. Something that you don't understand, seek to find out. Paul. The Paul. Apostle Paul that we know in the Bible when God called him, he didn't just go, oh, now God has called me. Great, fantastic, let's just go preaching. No, he didn't do that. For the first three years, he went to Arabia, sat in the library, so to speak, and studied for three years, just pouring over the material, checking if the things that he's heard. It's true. So you need to stay teachable. You need to stay Curious and study. Second Timothy chapter two, chapter 2 verse 15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Another translation says, Be diligent. What's diligence? Continuously looking into that material, giving yourself to it, applying it to yourself, and going over it again. Over it again. In Jesus' name. The second part, which is the A, is acknowledge. And to acknowledge is to accept or admit the existence of truth or a fact or something. Acknowledge. Acknowledging your strength. How about that? Get to know what you can do and what you cannot do first and foremost. Am I good at this or am I really terrible at it? 
if I'm terrible at it, do you think I should be spending my time on the things that I'm terrible at? I don't think so. I think it's much more beneficial when you build on your strength. Right? It's true. It's much more beneficial. You arrive where you are going quicker when you build on your strength. Instead of looking at every other thing that you don't know how to do and you cannot do and thinking, uh, I want to learn how to do that. And then someone else bamboozles you with something else tomorrow. You go, I want to learn that too. And then before you know it, you are the jack of all trade and master in nothing. Why? Because you have not pursued excellence in a particular area. Excellence is not knowing, it's not about knowing everything. It's about being good at something and bringing your best in that thing. God requires the best in you from you, and he expects that you will. So the first thing to do in that sense is to acknowledge what is my strength. And if this is my strength, I will put everything into it. And when, when you acknowledge that it's your strength, does not mean you know everything about your strength. You need to explore it even further, isn't it? You need to explore it even further. I know what my strength is. And I explore it even much more so that I become better in it. And I don't ever tell people that, hey, you know what, this is how I do it, so you, you should do it that way because it will work. No, it doesn't work. So find out what works best for you and work on it. Work on it. Build it. Make sure it works for you. Don't go, well, um, David is doing it this way, so I've got to do it exactly how David does it because I like what comes out. No, you could do something different. Amen. Another part is acknowledge what you're not good at. Get to know what you're not good at. Get to know what you're not good at. Why would you, what benefit would you get from that? It's so that you know what not to put your strength in. You know what not to waste your time over. It's true. You know, there are some of us, uh, some of our children, they, they're going to, into uni and they're not quite sure what to study. And at times I've sat with a few of them and go, hey, so why, what do you want to study? I don't know. What do you like? I don't know. They are very quick to say I don't know without even thinking. I don't know. Okay, what, would you, what do you want to become in your future? Pastor, yeah, I really don't know. Great, you're not helping. So at times we start to explore. All right, so, so do you see yourself doing something like this? Do you see yourself? So what was the first thing that came to mind? Then you start to explore. And then we realize that we're knocking off, you know, a few things that they just don't like. Oh, great. At least you don't like that, so let's not go there. So we need to be able to explore what is not going to work, what you don't like. Think about it if you're applying for a job. Would you just apply for anything? Because anything will wear you out. But something that you enjoy... At least you would have spent five, six, seven years in it before you start getting burned out. So explore the things that you're not good at. And the purpose of that is to be able to push them out of your life. 
you're not good at it, you might spend the rest of your life, you will never be good at it. Okay, that's not to say you can't learn new skills that you're not good at and get better in it, but you will never achieve the height of that skill. So concentrate on your strength. Amen. And also acknowledge people that are in your team. Acknowledge the people who work together with you. Acknowledge them. Acknowledge them. Inspire them. Help them to move forward. You know, we are all leaders in some capacity. When you see people, you know, um, are attracted to, to you in some ways, you find that there is something that is actually pulling them towards you. And you, when you do explore that a little bit and strengthen it, you see that's the area of your leadership that can impact them and influence them. So it's important for us to acknowledge our team. And also, when you're working with people, even at work or at school or wherever it is, get to acknowledge what they're bringing to the table. Great, what you're doing is fantastic. Thank you. I couldn't do it without you. And not, not just saying it because it's the right thing to say, but say it from an honest heart. And don't just say it in the air. You know, what you're doing, specify. What, are, what is that thing they are doing? Don't go, thank you so much for today. What you did was great. What was it that you did? Because I could say that to every other person. Right? And everyone would just smile. But without being really sure what they did, that you are happy about. Acknowledge. You know, the praise and worship was fantastic today. Especially that song you did. You know, at that point, I just felt, wow. Thank you for doing that. And it's not just about doing that. Thank you for giving yourself to the Lord that much. And then they know what to do next. Don't use a vague language to compliment your team. You'll never see growth. They will continue to do exactly what they're doing. But when they know the specific that you are really grateful about, what you are saying to them is, that sounds like your area of strength. Keep building on it. Because they'll keep bringing that back. They'll keep bringing it back. They'll keep bringing it back. Amen. The third one, the third one is an N, nurture. Nurture, 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 nurture. First Peter chapter 5 verse 2 says, Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Nurture. Nurture. And to nurture is to care for and protect. To care for and protect. Have you considered what God has put in your care? What do you do with what God has put in your care? You will be thinking, okay, so I'm not a leader, um, so God has not really put people in my care. It's not just about the people in your care. At times it's about your job. Do you nurture your job? Do you nurture your role? Do you nurture yourself? So one of the things I said, the first point, is care for the sheep. So whatever God has put in your care becomes a sheep. So, but my, my job is, how can my job be a sheep? One, your job is what keeps you happy. Your job is what is you're passionate about, for some of you, not of all of you. Um, but your job is what you're passionate about, so look after it. Don't treat it anyhow. Don't treat it with 
you know, the, the, the thought of, well, I don't care what happens. I'm just going to go there. If they like it, let them take it. If they don't like it, I'll just walk away. No. Care for it. Why? Because that's God's gift to you. You see, without your, all right. without your job, you can pay your tithe. And God loves your tithe. God loves your offering. Because that's what, that's what he uses to expand your reach in your life, within your community. So God loves it. God loves that you are hardworking. God wants to be able to put his finger on the things that you do so that it can explode and expand. So care. Care for your job. Care for your school. Care. Look after it. Don't treat it with some I don't care kind of attitude. Care about it. How about your family? Care for your family. Care for the sheep. Check out what is working in the family. And if it's working, strengthen it. I love that thing that Obina put up earlier, you know, that first Corinthians. You know, he said, love is kind, love is this, love is that. So put your name on it. Because when you put your name on it, you start to see that it, it, it changes your perception about how you could be what you can be. Love is patient. And for some of us, we're not patient. Love is kind. Some of us, we are only selective people that we are kind to. All right? We are only kind to people who can pay you back. Who, who can help you. But how about being kind to everybody, regardless of whether they can help you or not? Because the blessing is on the ones that really cannot help you, not on the ones that can help you. You only get blessed because someone else cannot help you. And that's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. No, 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 not blessed to give when you are expecting back. Are you still here? And that's why at times some of us give our offering and our tithe with the expectation that when I give, I'm going to get back. But how about the idea of it's more blessed to give, not with an expectation of getting it back. To give. Why? Because we are a channel. We're God's channel. We're God's channel. So let's not lose ourselves. So, care for the sheep. Care for your family. Look after them. Ask about what's going on. Are you okay? Is everything alright? Is there something we need to talk about? Don't be too professional because it's your family. It's your family. Don't be professional. No profession in family. Alright? Just sit with them. You argue. You fight a little bit. It's okay. It's part of the family. Okay? It's part. And you can't stop that. You irritate them a little bit. They will irritate you a little bit. Don't ever think they are the only ones irritating you. That's your behavior that you need to change. That's irritating other people. Determine. Get rid of that behavior. Change it a little bit. You probably might not change it. But learn to be able to live with other people in peace and not let your behavior become what puts a barrier between you and them. Because that same behavior, if it puts a barrier between you and them, is actually the same behavior that is putting, you, putting a barrier between you and God. You know that? The behavior that puts a barrier between you and people is the same behavior that is putting a barrier between you and God. Whilst there is no barrier, but God says, how can you say you love me when you don't like your brothers? Or your sisters. 
Say, how can you say that you love me who you have not seen? And you cannot see, and yet you hate the ones that you see. So you can see the same behavior that puts barrier between you and others. It's the same behavior that, that puts barrier between you and God. Because at the point where you have a barrier between you and your relationship with other people, that's the same thing that always comes up when you sit with God and go, God, help me. All right, God, let's talk. He said, oh, bro, we've been talking. You're not listening. Amen. The second part is look after yourself. Look after yourself. Look after yourself. Nurture yourself. Actually, that should be the first part. Because when you don't look after yourself, how can you look after other people? If, you know, if you've not been able to take care of yourself, why should I trust you to be able to take care of me? Why should I trust you? You know, um, most of us have, you know, um, been in a plane, right? Just before you take off, <clears throat> there's this routine that they do to tell you just in case of emergency, this is what you should do and da da da, da. And at times they explain that when the oxygen mask falls from the roof, so to speak, um, they tell you the process. They tell you, don't try to put it on someone else when you've not put it on yourself first. So you need to put it on yourself first because you need to be, al to, to be alive and alert to be able to help and support other people. So when it comes to nurturing, you should be able to nurture yourself first before you can nurture others. If I've not been able to preach this gospel to myself first, I don't see if I'm fit to be able to preach it to you. My spirit should be able to accept and receive the gospel before I can preach it to you. Otherwise, what I'm telling you is just not real. So you need to look after yourself first. You know, my wife has been pushing me to go to the gym, and I'm thinking, that is not my calling. <laughs> I don't want to. But I, I, re I realize that it's, it's needful. You might look at me and say, well, he's skinny. You, you look healthy. No, being skinny does not mean you're healthy. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. At times it gets too cold and my, my you know, shoulder is not just in place. And I'm thinking, God. And God is saying, you. You know what you need to do? You need to do some exercises. It's true. And how about eating healthy? Looking after yourself. I know we're busy. I know we're busy people. But don't make McDonald's your kitchen. It's not. Okay. KFC is not your kitchen. It's okay to have KFC once in a month or something of that nature. But not every time. Try to look for food that is good. And don't overdo it like my wife. <laughs> Still love me, don't you? Yeah. She eats carrot and dip. And I'm like thinking, that is not even food. That's no food. She eats all these vegetables. I love vegetables, but don't, don't overdo it. But, you know, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Don't let the fact that you're not taking care of yourself take you to the hospital. It was in your hand. There are some things that don't, does not need prayer. Okay? At times it just needs you to be a bit disciplined and look after yourself. Hallelujah. The last one. Let me check if you still remember what we've been talking about. So we've been talking about staying in your lane, isn't it? Yeah. Staying in your lane. And the first one was L, learn. And the second one, acknowledge. And the third one, nurture. The last one is endure, endurance. Endurance is the ability to uh, 
endure an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way, without giving up, without feeling, oh, no, I'm, I'm tired of this, I want to go. No, endure a little bit. Endurance. And there are so many things that wouldn't come to you if you are not, um, if you are not patient. If you are not patient. Endure. You know, one of our key texts for the year is uh, Genesis chapter 26, where God told Isaac, he says, stay in the land and I'll bless you. Stay in the land. But Isaac wanted to go to where? Egypt. Why? Because there was food in Egypt. But God said to Isaac, stay in the land and I'll bless you. And Isaac stayed in the land. And the Bible says, in the same year, God blessed him. I love the idea of in the same year, God blessed him. But think about it. It says, in the same year. And some of us might look at that scripture and go, wow, God, in the same year you blessed you know, Isaac. But he didn't say in the same week. He didn't say in the same month. He said in the same year. So it could have been nine months. It could have been the twelfth month. So when God gives you a promise... Don't misunderstand it. Because in his promise, there's a component of patience. I was still here. It's true. There's a component of patience that you need to meet. It's a requirement for you. It's a requirement. But it all works out for your good. It does work out for your good. Think about um, the children of Israel. We realize from studying uh, the Bible that you know, from Egypt to the promised land would have only taken them 40 days. Would have only taken them 40 days. But how long did it take them at the end of the day? 40 years. 40 years. That's terrible. So it's like you're going from here, you know, just for the sake of this analogy, you're going from here to Blacktown. And then you get to the big roundabout on the other side and you just keep looping it. You just keep looping. Every time you loop, you're seeing something different. But at the end of the day, what did the Bible say about it? That God did not take them through the shortcut. But God took them through the long path so that he can see what was in their heart. Why? Because there are some things we need to lose on the journey. But the more you keep onto them, God says, ah, you're not ready yet. Let's go again. And then you go once and go, okay, is that thing still there? Oh, no, you're not ready yet. You know, at times it might just be, um, you know, uh, anger. You're too angry. You're too angry. You blow what is on the other side. So let's, let, let's do this exercise again. So it takes you back. And it then looks back at you and the anger is still there. There's still an element of it. No, 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 no. You're not, you're not ready. Let, let's take you. And who knows how many years that takes. And then anger is completely gone. But then there's jealousy that's still a part of it. Oh, no. Come on. Because there are some things that when you peel it off, there's a new layer. And that layer is rotten. Are you still here? Think about the onion. For example, a spalt onion. The spalt onion, the outside of it is still dry. Right? The outer layer is still dry. Then you, you peel it off. Say, how did you know this? I cook. So, you, 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 you peel it off, right? 
And then you see a brown side that is very juicy and smelly. <laughs> you go, oh, this is bad. Then you peel that outer layer off again. And then you see another part that has been affected by something else. Until you actually get down and down and down and down and find, oh, this is still fresh. You see, onion does not spoil through. You know, when it's getting spoiled, it's spoiled by layer. Top layer first, second layer, the third layer, the fourth layer, until you find something that is good enough to use. And I'm not sure, you know, what layers God is prepared to take away from you until he finds something that he can use. He's not going to get rid of you. He's not going to get impatient. He's not a man, right? It's not, it's not human that he would just get rid of you th- just like that. But, but he finds out the layer that can still be useful. So he takes out jealousy. He takes out anger. He takes out uh, addiction of some sort. He, he keeps taking it out. But you want to get to a particular place and God is saying, you're not ready. You're not ready. So every time he takes out a layer, he goes, oh, there's another one. Let's work on this one. So, he, you know, he takes you around. And goes, oh, mm, they stink, their selfishness. Let's take that out. Let's work on that. And before you know it, 10 years. Say, but I'm still here. But God, you're not answering prayer. God is saying, you don't know what I'm doing for you. Because you go like this, you get burnt out straight away. You become a balloon that when it sees the sun, it just goes, let's go back home. Endurance. And the last part about that. Is that seeds take a while to grow. Don't just start off something today and expect it's going to grow. It's not love at first sight. Where you go, you like me, I like you too, let's get married. It doesn't work like that. Because you get married, you get home. Of course, you get home. Then we start to discover what we really are. Who are we for real? Very quickly, you start to call him, oh, you are the demon that I've been praying against. No, it's because you have not taken time to know yourself and you've not worked on the things that you've taken away from a different relationship. At times, it's not even to do with relationships with other significant people. It could have been a, a, a behavior that you've brought from your family home, as in from your parents disrespectful, always angry, always thinking that the sink washes the plates itself. You know, they don't wash the plates themselves, you know. Humans actually wash them. Uh, You think that the clothes just get cleaned itself and hangs itself outside. It doesn't. Actual humans do them. But because mom has always done them without perturbing you, disturbing you about them, does not mean when you get into a relationship, that person will be doing exactly what mom was doing. If you wanted another mom, stay at home. You get it? It's true. Be patient. Why? Because that's one way to stay in your learn, lane and find your purpose in the call of God. All right? So when God called Peter, the first thing, he, or Jesus called Peter at that point, he said, do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. The second time, do you love me? Feed my sheep. The third time, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now, why was he saying that? Do you love me? Learn. Do you love me? Acknowledge. Do you love me? 
nurture the sheep and yourself. Don't burn out in the place of nurturing others. And the last one, do you love me? Be patient. Be patient. Peter ran quickly to the water. He wanted to go and fish again because he thought, that's all I know. Jesus is nowhere to be found. Let's, let's just go to what we used to know. But Jesus is saying, hey, be patient. Be patient. Are we ready to learn, acknowledge, nurture, and endure? Because that's one way that God can continue to build us in our calling. Stay in your lane. Say to someone, stay in your lane. In Jesus' name. Can we stand on our feet? Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm not sure how many of us are struggling with staying in our lane. I'm not sure uh, how many of us have received what we have been talking about. But I, I want to pray for uh, specific people who've been struggling with a particular thing in your life and you're not quite sure what to do. And I do believe that this is a call. This is God's call for you to fine-tune where you belong, to fine-tune your life, to fine-tune your vision so that you can follow through. You know, it's, it's God's call to let you know that you are an individual that he's called. And stop thinking about other people. So what, how about that person? So how about that person? Stop being a critic and stop being someone who is leaning on other people to answer God's call. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. So I'm praying for you, for those people who found themselves in that particular situation where you're struggling to maintain a lane with God. You're struggling to, to know that God has called you by yourself and he wants to prosper you, wants to bless you, wants to cause you to, uh, to, to grow in the things that he's called you into. I'm praying for you that his will will be done in your life. That you have the discipline to accept his correction in the name of Jesus. I pray that from today onward, that you start to learn more of him in the name of Jesus. You will not be confused about your strength. You will know how to push away your weakness and focus more on your strength in the name of Jesus. You know how to be able to answer God's call with a, with a wholehearted yes in the name of Jesus. I pray that God's spirit will continue to endow you with his power and to reveal his will and purpose for your life so that you will not waste your time walking around a circle without really moving forward. That God will help you to, to get rid of those addictions, of those negative energy, but he will move you towards his will and purpose for your life and you will be willing to go with him all the way. I praise you, God, because you've heard our prayers. In Jesus' name. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.